1: We begin Friday night in Anaheim, California. Valentine's Day on zone. Ryan Garcia and Jorge Olneros on the same card. Hide your wives. Hide your kids, hide your wives. It's a night of beefcakes and boxing. Rolneris says, Ryan Garcia, I am your father, as he holds up his end of the bargain and knocking out Carlos Morales. Oops, almost forgot. Blair the Flair cops also fight. Insert obligatory woo. Woo! To the main event, Ryan Garcia entered the ring and dismantled Francisco Fonseca in a fight that you can comfortably fit on Instagram. Because if you didn't know, Ryan Garcia has 5 million Instagram followers. Noted boxers Logan and Jake Paul approved. But the real fun happened after the fight when Devin Haney entered the ring and the two young guns began joying at each other. Sign me up for that one. Saturday night in the boxing hotbed of Memphis, Tennessee, we're treated to a wild undercard that would even make the king proud. First, Diego Magdalena wakes up from his Teofimo beating to stun the undefeated Austin Doulet. Next, all hell breaks loose. Bryant the good fella Perella is cruising to a victory before he ultimately gets clipped and whacked by the duo of Abel Ramos and Jack Reese with 10 seconds to go. Perella now sleeps with the fishes. To the main event, Vincent Feigenbutz and his $200 worth of imported water entered the ring and he left wanting a tall stein of Hofbrau as Caleb Plant bruised and battered Feigenbutz for 10 rounds. Caleb Plant plants his flag as one of the best 168-pounders in the game. But not so fast, says David Benavides. That fight has officially entered the marination phase. Oh, by the way, it's Wilder Fury Fight Week.
2: Bomb squad!
1: hi fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio, and we have finally made it, everyone. We have made it to Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder Fight Week, and we have a big show planned for you today. Joining us on the program, Ben Davison. He's the former trainer of Tyson Fury. Still remain friends. An interesting uh, look into uh, what makes Tyson Fury go. And uh, numbers and some updates too on uh, his fight between uh, B.J. Saunders or his fighter B.J. Saunders going up against Canelo Alvarez. Also joining us on the program Devin Haney, the the American Dream. Devin Haney joins us via the Skype hotline. We'll get his take on getting in the ring with Ryan Garcia. We saw Ryan Garcia this past weekend. Devin Haney jumped into the ring, got into his face. Love when that happens. And I'll also ask him about what he thinks about some of these upcoming fighters in the game. Finally, our last guest. On the show happens to be my dad, but also the creator of CompuBox, Bob Canobio. As you know, CompuBox has been in the game for a very long time. I am employed by CompuBox, and uh, we just celebrated 35 years in the business. So I'll get Bob's take. Uh, do I call him Bob or do I call him dad? I'm gonna figure that out, but we're gonna get his take on 35 years in the game. So obviously, a jam pack show, all things. Leading Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. It is the fight that has been circled on the calendar for almost two years now, a year and a half since they got into that ring uh, and they did their thing uh, the first time. A lot of build up for this fight, a lot of lead up. You saw some ESPN stuff, you saw some Fox stuff. Not just saying that because I happen to be on some of those shows in this lead up, but I will give you right now Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder by the numbers using all the CompuBox punch stats. We'll start with the challenger, Tyson Fury. Yes. He's the lineal champ, but this is how this fight is being built. He is the challenger. Now, Fury has come out and said that he's going to take this fight uh, to Deontay Wilder, knock him out in two rounds. Before Tom Schwartz, the last KO that Tyson Fury had was way back in 2014 over Joey Abell. My guess, this is just my opinion, is that Tyson Fury reverts back to what he does best, and that's boxing and defense. Fury boasts the third best jab rate in all of boxing. He throws 28 per round. He's going to be pumping that jab all night to disrupt Deontay Wilder's flow. Now, the heavyweight average for punches landed in a a round is 16. Tyson Fury only gets hit with six punches a round. That is lowest among all active heavyweights, and that's up there as one of the best defensive fighters in the game. That is a big reason why I think Deontay, uh, Tyson Fury is not going to go in there and, and attack Deontay Wilder. He's going to revert back to what makes him tick and what makes him go. Uh, Wilder entered the first fight against Tyson Fury, landing 54% of his power shots. That is a huge, huge number. Tyson Fury limited to 17% landed in that first fight. No fighter has ever stymied uh, Deontay Wilder worse than than Tyson Fury. This is why I expect Tyson Fury to come out and box. It is his only path to victory, in my opinion. Moving over to Deontay Wilder, I'm going to go throw out some numbers here, and you're going to say, no way. I can already see the responses to this tweet when I posted. There is no way this can be true or accurate about Deontay Wilder, but yes, it is. Deontay Wilder ranks number one among all active heavyweights and number three among fighters uh, in any weight class in power punch accuracy at 48%. He trails only Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford by a few percentage points in that category. Yes, Deontay Wilder doesn't throw a lot of volume, but when he does, he is very accurate. On to the next stat that's absolutely going to shock you about Deontay Wilder. He is one of just three current fighters in boxing today that lands more than 29% of their jabs. The other two, Gennady Golovkin and Anthony Joshua. A lot of times people want to talk about all the things that Deontay Wilder does wrong. But he is one of the most accurate punchers in the game. And he obviously knows about that right hand. Just ask Tyson Fury. And lastly, Deontay Wilder picks up a win. He also gets the lineal title. I know he has come out on record saying that doesn't mean anything to him. But I have a feeling if he wins, he'll change his tune once he realizes how much of a cool feat that is. But more importantly, if he does pick up a win and he defends his title once again, it moves him into a tie for fourth place. But he passes Muhammad Ali with 11 consecutive World Heavyweight title defenses. So Deontay Wilder has a lot on the line in this rematch, and it's coming up this Saturday on Fox and ESPN pay-per-view. Coming up next here on Inside Boxing Live, we sit down with Ben Davison, former trainer of Tyson Fury and current trainer of B.J. Saunders. Joining us now here on Inside Boxing Live, he is one of the up-and-coming trainers, one of the best trainers in boxing. Joining us all the way across the pond from the UK, of course, he is Mr. Ben Davison. Ben, we went back and forth on the Twitter DMs. You're a a fan, a student of the game, a big fan of Copybox, which we love here, but thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live.
0: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: So We'll talk about Tyson Fury and his fight with Deontay Wilder. Uh, First of all, I gotta say that you guys are obviously on good terms, and I, it's just so refreshing to see that the friendship is still there, considering how uh, trainers and 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 fighters, when they break up, it could get messy. Look at you know Triple G, uh, Enable Sanchez, but to see that, to see that you guys still have the friendship, I think it says a lot about you as a trainer, and it says a lot about what you guys built uh, for those five or six fights.
0: Yeah, I don't do I don't do what I do. I don't do it for the money, you know, and obviously. Me and Tyson had a working relationship and we was in business together, but we also had a friendship. So just because the business has come to an end and effectively, you know, the, the, the be all and end all is that because I'm not being paid anymore, doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore, because that's often what it boils down to. And a friendship always turns out to be fake. And that's not the case. You know, he's my, he's my friend. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm rooting for him and I believe that he'll, he'll be victorious on Saturday.
1: It's going to be a great fight. And I watched this ESPN piece. that was about Tyson Fury's comeback trail. And then you hop into the scene. And when you hopped in, it just showed that you were a very integral part of what you see today from Tyson Fury.
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, our, our journey's played an integral part in him getting to where he's got to. But I do also believe that lots of people have played their part. For, for for Tyson to to end up where he's ended up, so of course he does it. He 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 he's the major part in in that. With no Tyson, there is no Tyson Fury, of course. So it, it's a team effort, and uh, I'm just pleased to have been a part of it.
1: You seem like a trainer that obviously you know the in-ring stuff. There's no doubt about that. You're one of the, the brightest uh, students we got going in terms of, of training. But if, it seems like you also provide something else for fighters and that's almost like a life coach in a way which i think is a part of boxing that's it's underrated and i think it's integral uh to to be a trainer
0: yeah i would say so i mean i just think i'm a very balanced character and, and typically most fighters are are quite unbalanced people um and that's why they're able to achieve what they can achieve because they're they're what's known as extremists it's either all in or nothing and you know, I think it's an important part to be able to help them find that balance in between, um, but not take away the competitive all-in nature of a fighter as well.
1: Now, you have a boxing background. I didn't know that you actually were an amateur. Tell us a little bit about your, your boxing career, because a lot of people, when you came onto the scene, were like, who is this Ben Davidson guy? He's got great hair. Who is this guy? He's just a, you know He's a life coach. He's a trainer. They just didn't know enough about you, but I didn't know that you had an amateur career as well.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I also played football at not a bad level. So, the the football was actually my number one sport growing up.
1: My football uh, in terms of in in soccer. UK soccer. There you go. I had, we have to make no, that clear. Yeah. This is a US show. So football here is you're a uh, halfback and you're running up the middle.
0: Yeah, but I uh, I boxed as a kid. Then I, I, I focused on football, but I always stayed in the gym. Then went back to box. Went back to boxing um, when I didn't get a professional contract in soccer, um, and then. As I, start, I started working with, uh, with Billy Joe, actually, we was in the same gym and I started doing a little bit more work with him. And one thing just led to another. And I was always a very analytical type of person. Whatever I did, I wanted to be the best at. And I, if I wasn't the best, I wanted to know why. Or if somebody else was the best, I wanted to know why they were the best. And it was the same even when I was playing football. I'd watch a full game of soccer and watch one player for the whole game, go back, rewind it and watch the same, a different player for the whole game just to fully understand why they was able to achieve what they achieved. And that helped me with with the coaching. So when it got to a point of where I started working with fighters, I just had a natural gift in being able to analyse what was going on, why this was happening, why this wasn't happening. And obviously with time, that, that, that talent developed and I started to understand it a little bit more.
1: Now, you say you like analytics. Is that a big reason why you have uh, grown accustomed to the CompuBox stats? Get a lot of, uh, some DMs from me every once in a while. Put me to work. I don't mind it. But it, it's awesome to see because, you know, we talk to a lot of fighters. Most guys, when I bring up their punch stats, it's like, oh, whatever. They don't care. Or some guys take more of a liking to it. It's nice to see that uh, someone like a trainer like you and you bring up your analytical background you will use the numbers, you know, especially with B.J. Saunders and his defense. Yeah, of
0: course, uh, uh, you know, it's all well and good. It's all well and good saying, I've improved this fighter or this is better or that's better or what we're doing is working, but people lie, numbers don't. You know, obviously there's a there's a certain part of it that you have to you have to take into um, what's the word I'm looking for? Take into account. Yeah, and take into consideration like the level of opponent, etc. But when you're talking about elite level fights, so for example, with Tyson, I compared his stats from Klitschko to Wilder, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'd look at what Klitschko's average stats were, what Wilder's average stats were, and I could. There was proof behind that Tyson defensively was better. Tyson offensively was better. Technique wise, I can only tell that from the eye.
2: Right.
0: But in terms of, in terms of statistically, you can see that there's improvements there. And the same with Billy Joe, you know. To be able to hit those numbers that he's hitting defensively and then with Tyson as well to be able to improve defensively, there's clearly something in the training that we're doing that is improving them. And for me to be able to to see that and have proof of that is better than just to be able to say it. Like I say, people lie, numbers don't.
1: I love it. We love it here at CompuBox. And two of your fighters, or Tyson and, and, and BJ Saunders, two of the most defensive, best fighters in boxing, going back to Wilder versus Fury, Ty- uh, Deontay Wilder entered the first fight landing 54% of his power shots. That's an astronomical number. He left the ring only landing 17 in that first fight those defensive numbers is a big reason why I think a lot of fighters are kind of sleeping or a lot of uh, pundits and and media are all edging Deontay Wilder and they're not really giving Fury enough credit for his defense and uh, his defensive game and his being able to box do you think that Fury can walk that tightrope like he did in that first fight again
0: yeah I think there's elements to you know if you look at the num- if you look at the numbers, like you say, 17% is-, is fantastic. But if you can then lower that punch count, because it- 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 Wild actually had a very high punch count in that fight. Um, if you could lower those numbers, again, it just adds a little bit more. Basically, the less he throws, the less chance he's got of landing. Of course. Um, the less exchanges, the less chance he's got of landing that shot. So. If you can lower his punch count by doing a, a few things, I'm not going to give anything away, but by doing a f- number of things that can help achieve that, then I think Tyson's chances shoot up again. What was your reaction
1: when he said that he was going to come out and take the fight to a while to knock him out in two rounds?
0: There's more than there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know. I, I, I'm obviously known as, as quite a defensive coach, um, but... Like I said, he's more than one way to skin a cat. And, and Tyson's an experienced fighter. He knows what he needs to do. Um, and and I'm I'm rooting for him.
1: How about the 270? I thought that was that was crazy. I mean, I feel like that's like a couple pounds below uh, Andy Ruiz. I mean, I think he's fought consistently around 250, 254. I know he weighed a lot more uh, when he was coming back on the comeback trail. That was because when he was losing a lot of weight. The 270 pounds,
0: are you surprised by that? Um... You know, there was a few people that was talking about him being heavier, etc. Now, you know, for me, everybody's got their own opinion. Um, you know, for me, I think for him to be fleet-footed, like, I, I feel like he would it, it would be better for him, should I say, for the fight. You know, ideally a little bit lighter. But, you know, he's going in there looking to, as he said, he's looking to bully Deontay Wilder. Physically manhandle Deontay Wilder, and if that's his game plan, then it probably is better for him to come in heavier.
1: It is interesting because a lot of the times, and I said this, I, I, I appeared on on an ESPN build up for this fight, and were, I was watching the fight again, and I was analyzing it, and I was talking about it. In that first fight, every time that Wilder hurt Fury, he came back and he was able to stun Wilder. He was able to stop Wilder dead in his tracks. So when people are saying like Fury's going for the knockout, no, he can't do that. If he really wants to, and he puts his mind to it, and he trains on just adding power, which he has said he's going to do, I mean, it's not the most shocking thing if he comes out and, and starts hurting uh, Wilder more and more.
0: No, he's a big Tyson's a big man. He can punch. He can pu- He's got a lot more power than what people think. But with the style that he he takes, he, he he doesn't overcommit with his shots. He doesn't look to punch through the target because by punching through the target. He's, clo- he's, he's, he's closing that distance a little bit more, which means that they have more of a chance of landing a shot back. Mm-hmm. You know, if he can land his punch and not take one back from me, that's the perfect plan, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of, of his tactics for this fight, obviously he's looking to, to punch through the target. He wants to hurt Deontay Wilder. There was times that he stung Deontay Wilder in the first fight. I also do believe that you have to be very careful and aware of Wilder's posture when you're coming forward because there are habits in his posture which lead to uh, that right hand that he's most known for. So it's definitely things that you have to be careful of. But like I say, Tyson's experienced. Um, you know, we, we obviously we prepared together for Deontay Wilder before, so we spoke about these things, and I'm, I'm sure he'll get the job done.
1: Now, do you think, uh, what have you seen from Wilder in his, the last two fights from Wilder uh, since the Fury fight?
0: Um,
1: you think, think he's getting that
0: better? He's his, I think he's learned from his mistakes in terms of being a little bit more cool, calm, and collected. Um, I think that he knows what mistakes he made in the first fight. Whether he can make the adjustments, either I personally don't feel he can make the adjustments to be more effective for if Tyson used the same tactics. Right. I don't feel that. I feel that Wilder literally has to has to get lucky with a shot for. For him to be successful, if Tyson Im- implies those tactics, or Tyson has to switch off.
1: Well, if, if uh, Fury does come out, if Fury does come out aggressive, like he says, did that play into the hands of Wilder?
0: That means that there's going to be more exchanges. That yeah. means that he's going to take more. It means he's going to give more. Of course, it does higher the chances. Um, but Tyson has come out and said, you know, if I can make, you know, the less rounds that go by, the less chance he's got a clip in me. So okay. I can understand that philosophy as well. Um, but he's obviously, it's a risky move. It's a chancy move, but, you know, no risk, no reward, as they say. Right,
1: he's a gambler. We know about him. He'll take these risks. But, you know, I ultimately think he might come out aggressive, but then he's going to revert back to what makes him Tyson Fury. You know, heavyweight average for punches landed in a round is 16. Fury's only getting hit with six. I mean, why why change that? You know, why get hit with more against a guy who has the most powerful right hand? in all of boxing, maybe all time. You know, Teddy Atlas came out and said that. He has the biggest right hand he's ever seen.
0: Yeah, I I do believe that he's got... I I do believe that he's the biggest puncher in in heavyweight history, but I also do believe that people make the mistake of just thinking about the right hand. He's got power in anything that he throws. uh, You know, I'm a believer that his power comes from freakish bone density. He's just very heavy-handed. I think if he clubs you up the side of the head, it's extremely heavy. I think if he hits you with a jab, it's extremely heavy, and one thing that pe- people also forget is his speed. He's quick. And Very, very
1: fast. Really good jabber. Underrated jabber, Deontay Wilder. There's only one of three fighters currently in the game today that land more than 29% of their jabs. It's Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Golovkin. A lot of people sleep on Wilder, his his fundamentals. He's fundamentally sound, and one thing he's doing better that I've noticed is getting in position to land the right. Have you ever heard of a guy, would you ever implore one of your fighters or heard of a fighter that doesn't even try to win rounds? That's kind of crazy in today's game.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not so sure that he doesn't try to win rounds. I think that he's just more focused on, you know. I, I think that people have, have have come up with this assumption because of the Tyson fight and the Lewis Ortiz fight. But the Lewis Ortiz fight was massively tactical because he knew, effectively, Ortiz is an aggressive counter puncher. So the more punches I throw at Ortiz, the more he's going to throw back at me. Yep. And I think that he purposely had a low punch count in the early part of that fight knowing Ortiz is going to slow down. He was happy just to hit Ortiz on the right side of his body just to position Ortiz over, make him walk wall towards the right hand, keep him moving into that position. He knew it was a matter of time before he landed the right hand. But if you look at the likes of Stiverne, you look at the likes of the Duapas fight, I don't think he gives away rounds. He can box, you know, and especially in the Duapas fight, he showed that, from the fifth round onwards he can fight inside as well
1: yeah he landed he was landing at will against uh but uh do you think uh you'll you'll uh, reach out to fury i think you you guys will talk i know you guys are still close but you know maybe like hey good luck man i know you're busy doing your own thing on your side of uh, of of the game
0: yeah of course i'll speak to him you know i'll send him a message and uh, i won't be speaking to him anything about tactically what i what my opinions are and that i wouldn't want to you know then you can start second guessing things and, and I wouldn't want to do that you know it's purely just there for support motivation and, and just to let him know that I'm rooting for him, and I want to, see, I want to see him be be victorious.
1: I'm telling you, man, it's one of the coolest stories. It's really something. It's just so boxing is so cynical, and there's so many like bad stories and so much negativity. To see you guys remain friends, to see you guys, you know, that's it's refreshing. It's really refreshing to see. But someone that you're going to give a lot of opinions to, and you're going to give a lot of advice to, is your guy Billy Joe Saunders. You can tell us right now that you got the Canelo fight. It's okay. Just just tell us now.
0: <laughs> no, not no, no confirmation yet. Um no confirmation yet. Um It's looking good. But but we're, we're we're hoping so, you know. Billy Joe wants it he's been a world champion since two thousand and fifteen, so he wants his opportunity to test himself against the best and Canelo's an unbelievable fighter. I'm excited for the challenge to try and break his style down and tactically get him beat. Um so it's uh you know, I just I just hope that, that Billy Joe gets the opportunity.
1: Now, do you play a role in any of that? I know you're more than just a trainer. It seems like you're a friend of these guys, a genuine friend. When they get the offers from everything that's thrown out there, who knows what's true and what's not true? Do you ever like give your 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 advice on, hey, maybe you should ask for more or, or just take it, or do you not get involved with the financials?
0: Yeah, of course we, we talk about it. A little bit more in terms of Tyson than I was, um, involved in that sort of area of things. But we was together 24-7, and obviously with Billy Joe, we discussed things in that. So... You know, I've got a good relationship with them where we can discuss these things, and they know I'll give them my honest opinion. Um, and uh, uh, and and that's where it is really. I uh, we 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 trust each other and trust each other's judgment. All
1: right? How do you beat Canelo? In in your estimation, how does one take down Canelo? He's only lost once in his career. And he's got a draw, questionable. But how do you how do you beat Canelo Alvarez?
0: I'm not going to go into it because you know it's. It, it, Leading into the Deontay Wilder fight, I wasn't going to give anything away. You know, he's got a fantastic trainer in Eddie Renoso, So anything that I give away, they will make an adaption to try and cancel it out. So we can't afford to to give anything away and give them a, a, an edge there. So, you know, it'll, uh, we'll have to all tune in, hopefully, uh, to uh, if the fight gets made to to, to see that.
1: I mean, I hope you see it. That would be an interesting fight. You know, two defensive-minded fighters, Canelo... I think he's a little more active than BJ, but not by much. Maybe five or six punches per round. Two of the best defensive guys. That always makes for a good fight. I'm a big fan of BJ Saunders uh, and his style. Big fan of you, Ben Davidson. I appreciate you joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. Maybe see you in Vegas this weekend. Maybe you will see you in Vegas May 2nd uh, for Canelo. But appreciate it, and I uh, will keep up the good work.
0: No problem. Thank you very much.
1: Joining us now here on Inside Boxing Live, you know him as the WBC Lightweight Champion. He is the dream Devin Haney, one of the most promising and exciting up-and-coming fighters in the game. Joining us from Los Angeles, looking nice over there, man. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me.
1: First of all, before we get into what happened this past weekend and looking forward, right sh- shoulder surgery. You had it a few months ago. Are will be still on track for a summer return for you.
2: Yeah, um, we're still on track. Um, I'm looking like July, early July. Um, first, it was looking like, you know, towards the end of June, but I want to, you know, just make sure that I'm 100% there. So um, July will, will be the month that I'm back. How hard is it
1: for uh, someone like you, you're, you're, you're a guy that, you know, you're 21 years old, you want to get in the ring, you want to train, you, you just want to constantly get better. What is it like having to kind of step out of that and kind of be on the sideline a little bit? How do I know a lot of fighters? They when when time is on their hands, that's not exactly a good thing. How has it been, you know, trying to rehab that?
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. At first, it was really hard. Um, you know, I was like, you know, I was getting some kind of depressed a little bit. You know, just being away from the ring and being away from the training. And, you know, my coaches, my team. Um, but you know, I start I started to look at it like you know, it, it, everything happens for a reason, and I never took a break from boxing in my life, so. This was the first break that I ever took. And it actually, like, you know, I feel rejuvenated. I feel like I'm excited to come back. I'm excited to go train, you know. I've been, I never took longer than a week off in my whole entire life since I started boxing. So I felt like I needed this.
1: Right, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know you've been fighting at a very young age. You have one of the more unique backstories uh, in boxing, kind of funding yourself, betting on yourself, ultimately cashing in, getting that bag with with Matt's room. But I saw this picture on Twitter. I thought it was so cool. It was you and Floyd, and you look like, what, eight or nine years old? And then you hop back to, like, recently in Miami. I was in Miami for the Super Bowl in the zone card. So you're riding bikes with them. We'll talk about your relationship with Floyd Mayweather, and, you know, does he give you advice? I mean, what is it like to, uh, uh, catching up with uh, arguably the greatest fighter of all time?
2: I mean, Floyd is, you know, he's always been a mentor to me. He's always been, you know, uh, helped me with whatever I needed, you know, even though, you know, I, it didn't work out with me signing with him or anything like that. He's still always been there 100%, so I thank him for that. And, you know, it's like, you know, how many how many players coming up get to, you know, um, talk to talk to Jordan and, you you know, be, a, be up under Michael Jordan or, or Kobe Bryant, you know, the LeBron James, you know, and, and, and that's what I get. So I'm happy to soak up, you know, as much game as he can give me and as much wisdom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, moving up into your amateur career, let's get into it now. Ryan Garcia, the guy that you jumped into the ring with, had him on the show last week. He came on Skype and I talked about your amateur career, I talked about you fighting. He says that you only post the fight that you won, but you don't post the fights that I mean it wouldn't make sense if you didn't post the fights that, that you lost. But he goes, <laughs> yeah, Hi, he tell him to post tell him to post some of those other ones where I heard him. Tell him to post those other ones where he ran. Thoughts on that.
2: Well, um, you know, he has no proof that he won any of these fights he has he can't show anything so in that case i'll say i won every single fight because there's no proof of him saying he, there's no proof of him winning any well it's true though if you go on
1: box rec according to box uh garcia's record was 17 and 15 and i made the mistake of saying that to him on the air he got very offended he said if i was 17 and 15 i would quit i wouldn't make it to the no, end. like 200 yeah, it, wins it, or something
2: it, it, it's it's in like national like tournaments, like recent national tournaments. They haven't been doing the uh, like the the records for you know wins and losses in in um, amateurs for a long time. So it's just you know he had a lot of fights when he was when he was really young too. So they probably just don't track all those. But he definitely was a big amateur, and all those wins that he says that he had, he really had.
1: Yeah, but how many times did you guys we, fight though? I feel like this is something like this is the age of the internet. We have answers to everything. You can look up everything, but we can't figure out. How many times, not that it really matters, which you guys eventually will face off in the pros. We
2: fought and... six times, and I won all six.
1: <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay, so I'm going to have to go back to Ryan. I'm going to try to find, go, just line the DMs. He's got 5 million followers. It's going to be impossible to do it. But you saw you this past weekend. What did you think about his performance uh, from a fan standpoint?
2: I mean, he went in there. He did what he was supposed to do. I can't take nothing away from that. But, you know, I just don't feel like Fonseca was a credible opponent. You know, they tried to build him up to, to be somebody, to be some killer. But at the end of the day, who has he beat? I can't name one person that he beat. He had two big fights: Tevin Farmer, um, Javante Davis, and he lost both of those.
1: Well, Ryan, will also when he had him on the show last week, he, he gave he gave you your props. He says that you are a tougher fight for him than Javante Davis, mostly because of your boxing skills, length, and and, and just smarts. How do you feel about that?
2: I mean, if. if... You know, that's what he thinks. He's telling the truth, um, of course, you know. And, and, and that's why I feel like he doesn't really want to fight with me as of now because you know, he, he, he knows how much of a threat I am. He knows how much skill. You know, me and him have a lot a lot of history together, and so he knows.
1: Now, it's a fight I, I think fans would love right now, but we know how politics work and how the business works. When do you think that, that fight will happen, realistically? If you can say, you know, I will fight. I mean, we're climate. actually
2: negotiating with his team as of now. Um, my team and, my, and his team, you know, Eddie Hearn, Metro, uh, and, and you know, uh, Golden Boy are are negotiating now. So we ne- we never know; it might happen sooner than later. But you know, um, I'm gonna just keep winning. You know, he's gonna hopefully he keeps winning, and you know, when the fight happens, you know, it'll be a, a massive fight
1: now you're calling out everyone right now so you maybe you got to get back into that ring maybe you're spending a lot of time looking on on twitter like us boxing fans do i see you calling out mikey garcia calling out adrian broner i love it do you think you'll get those types of fights or do you think you're going to keep getting you know kind of i wouldn't say tune-up fights but but fights against you want the top guys it's pretty clear that you want those top guys
2: um i think those those big fights are you know are, are coming you know um you know, it's just a matter of time. You know, I, I bring a lot to the table, and these other guys bring a lot to the table, and that makes for big fights, and the fans are demanding the fights. So, sooner than later, it, it will happen.
1: Well, the thing with you, and I think it's different with other younger fighters or the other generations, I actually believe it. I actually believe that you want to face the best young fighters. I, I think no longer do we have to wait until a guy's 20, you know, 25-0. Yeah, I think that's being thrown out the window. If you have a huge amateur experience that you have... And you have a following, which you also have. I actually believe it when you say that you want to face Mikey Garcia, you want to face Ryan Garcia, you want to face Adrian Broner. Do you do you think fans believe your
2: talk? No, fans definitely believe my talk. Um, but you know, it's just these guys don't want to face me. They they like I said, they know how much I'm a threat. Um, you know, eventually that big fight is coming. You know, I think Mikey Garcia would. You know, uh, you know, after he's finished his business, I think he would. You know, look into a fight with me. You know, or if if he can't get a fight, you know, with like Pacquiao or, or one of those guys, um, those just massive money fights. I think that he'll look into a fight with me. Um, you know, it's, it's it's some guys out there that 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 will fight me. I'm not saying that you know, just everyone's just ducking me. But right. you know, um, I want those big big fights.
1: A Mikey Garcia fight? Would that? Would you go up to 147 for that, or would you think he'll? He's no, naturally no. a 140 guy.
2: No, I, I, I think we can meet at 140. You know, he said that 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 he would be interested in beating at 140. I'd be interested at beating at 140. The fight, the fight could happen soon.
1: Are you uh, willing to go up to 200 pounds to fight Broner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like
2: 200. Who is he gonna say, Wilder? Or... Have you seen Broner walking uh, around
1: lately? I don't yeah, know yeah, if he can yeah. make 135 or 140 anymore. Yeah,
2: he definitely can't make 135 or If he if he did, he would be dead. If he if he did, but um, I'm interested in you know going to. 140 for that for that fight as well, um, but if he wants to come th- 1 to 135, then so be it. Let's do it.
1: When he uh, he didn't take a liking to you calling him out. He thought you were doing it for Cloud. He you know he says you spent one minute with Floyd. Next thing you're calling me out. What did you do when you saw that uh, Instagram post?
2: I mean I didn't think much of it. You know he's a he's a funny guy. Um, you know he if anything he's the Cloud chaser. You know he goes on there he trolls and he you know, hits up Eddie Hearn and, and you know, he hits my promoter and tells, says that he wants 20 million. If anything, that's clout chasing. He knows how much uh, of a threat I am. He knows how big of a fight I, uh, I am. So why, why ask for that much money? Because, you know, he, he knows how much I bring to the table.
1: Who are some of your favorite fighters, young fighters in the game? I sent out a tweet uh, on uh, Friday night after Ryan's fight, and I just simply listed the biggest names in boxing right now under age 25 and um i'll i'll, ask, I'll talk about the, the feedback i got from it but who are your favorite young fighters in the game
2: um i like of course davidson you know like he, he's been a friend of mine he's has a lot of talent um another fighter that signed to me his name is darren cutting um not a lot of people may, may not know him but he had a huge amateur background um I like Virgil Ortiz. Virgil Ortiz is looking pretty good. I mean, um, he's a
1: quiet guy, but if you get to talking to Virgil, he's very funny.
2: Oh, really? Is he? I never talked to him actually. Like through the amateurs, I, I remember him in the amateurs, but we never, we never talked. But you know, um, maybe one day. Um, who else do I like?
1: How about Tia Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> what is that though <laughs> what is going on with
1: that yeah. see i'm interested in this i'm interested in in what fighters get along which fighters respect each other it's like i feel like you and ryan garcia that you obviously you're going to fight each other but there's a mutual respect i've gained from talking yeah. to both of you and seeing you guys in the ring you talk your talk but then you adapt each other up and you move on
2: what's yeah, the problem I mean, you
1: have with tfmo he's
2: just that guy is just fake And him and his dad are fake they 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 talk that stuff on on the internet or they they, they go talk it in, in in these interviews, but in person, if, if, when everyone saw him, when I approached TF Mo, he was he was a, a, a totally different kind of dude. His his dad said, oh, he's not a street guy, he's not this. I didn't bring no streets to him. I, I talked to him pure boxing talk. He lied and said that he got the best of in me in sparring, which was was not the case. Everyone saw that when I approached him in person. Um, you know, he has no intentions on fighting me. His promoter has no intentions of of, of them him or Lomachenko fighting, him, fighting me. Like, I, I I don't like those guys at all.
1: Now, that's something I would pay for. That's a pay-per-view I would pay for is T and his dad versus you and your dad.
2: Oh, we will fucking kill you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But uh, who do you like in, in Tiafimo versus Lomachenko?
2: I'm not even, to be honest, I'm not even interested in that fight. Um. Those guys, they both have no intentions of fighting me. I have no intentions of watching they fight. But,
1: both of them. But Tia, I've seen Tia Fiona send out tweets. We're congratulating you. When you got the WBC belt, and first of all, I'll ask you this. When people bring up the fact of how you got that belt, does that give you motivation? Do you get offended by that? Or How do you feel about people saying that you were pretty much handed a belt?
2: Because listen to this. if, say, Whenever you win an intern belt, everyone knows this. Whenever you win an intern belt, um, it bumps up to. A world title, even if it wasn't no franchise. If I, I knew that when I won an intern belt, that it it could easily bump up. So these guys, they just saying all that. They just saying that because, who knows what? It's, they're on the bandwagon. <laughs> so you're saying Tiafoe could have fought. We were the WBC matched, matched like put us in a tournament, matched us up to to fight, and he went the opposite way. Why?
1: I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he did win, <laughs> but he did beat Richard Comey. I mean, that was an impressive win, though. No? Yeah,
2: I never thought much of Richard Comey. Okay. I, I said before the fight. I said before the fight, oh, he he would beat Richard Comey. I don't think nothing of.
1: Okay. Yeah. So now he's going up against Lomachenko, and and that's going to be a tough test for him. But you know, he gets through that, he's got a belt. You guys are in the, in yeah. the same weight class. Yeah, that's he a fight that. that could be made. So if
2: he gets through that, then you know, hopefully we can match up a fight. Which I don't think that it, it will happen. You know his his promoter Bob Arum said that there's ten guys better than me in the lightweight division.
1: <laughs> yeah, where? I didn't agree with that.
2: Yeah, where is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he says a lot of things. You know, he's one of his most famous saying is "I was lying yesterday, today I'm telling the truth."
2: Yeah, I've been hearing I've been hearing that line a lot lately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's 90 and you're only 21. It's amazing that these these are the people that are making decisions. But yeah.
2: Uh, how
1: about this i sent out a tweet and i said i listed all those names and i talked about all the biggest fighters under the age of 25 and i was super surprised by the response that i got i'm trying to be positive i'll always remain positive especially with this next generation you're one of the guys that's carrying the torch but there were so many negative comments about how they're never going to fight each other they're never going to do this do you feel more responsibility of being the next generation to kind of erase that stigma and have the best fight the best
2: um, I think that it just happens. You know, everyone's on the collision course. Everybody's on, you know, going up. You know, it, it does take time to to build fighters up. If, if we just all knocked each other off today, then it it would be no. It, it, after that it would be no big fights. It would be you would be you know everyone. Because now in boxing, once you get a loss, they say, oh, you're pretty much over. They they count you out. The fans no longer like like you that much. So. You know, it, it does take time to, to build these fights. And eventually, we're, we're we're all on a collision course. We'll
1: we'll fight. I agree. Totally agree. I think you got to marinate. That is a term that Bob Arum used yeah. that I do agree with. And to a certain extent. Don't over-marinate. Because all of a sudden, you know, that almost happened with Wilder Fury. They almost It'd over...
2: Salty. It'd be salty.
1: it <laughs> be <laughs> You know how to marinate. You know how to marinate. Finally, before we let you go, huge fight this weekend. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Let's get your official pick.
2: Um... I mean, it's so hard to go against Deontay Wilder because he just shows, you know, time after time that one through 12, one through 12 that, you know, he just takes one punch to, to, you know, end the fight. Um, I think Tyson Perry is a good boxer. I think he's slick. He's long. He's, he's, he's smart, but it's just, I can't go against Deontay Wilder.
1: Are going to be out in Vegas for the fight? I know you'd like to travel and get around.
2: I mean, i just been traveling so much and, you know, so busy. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the fight or not. Uh, I will definitely watch the fight, but i just been so busy. I, don't, I think I might, you know, sit out. But then again, you know, I might go. I don't know. You might depends. get
1: that itch. You might be on your couch. Yeah. I'm going to be heading yeah. out there, so hopefully I run into you there and we can officially meet uh, face-to-face. Right. But thank you so much for taking some time. I heard someone knocking on your door. I think your food is being delivered right now. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, Devin Haney. Talk to you later, man. Thank you. Our last guest here on Inside Box and Love, we saved the best for last. He is Bob Canobio, just happens to be my dad, also happens to be the creator of CompuBox. Just yesterday, February 16th, 2020. It was 35 years. Since the CompuBox was introduced on HBO Boxing, the rematch of Livingstone Bramble and Ray Mancini, we're not going to get too much into how CompuBox was created. If you want to do that, we already did this once before, and it was a great podcast. Go back and search for an Inside Boxing Live. But I want to get your thoughts, though. 35 years in the game, you've given so much to the sport. What does it feel like to be in boxing for 35 years and just CompuBox as a whole? First,
3: it's Mr. Bob Kenobi.
1: I'm sorry, Mr. Bob. It's good Mr. to have you on this side of the glass, too. Usually you're on the other side, but now you're here, and I'm going to quiz you hard-hitting <laughs> stuff.
3: No, it's it's an honor to be able to do anything for thirty-five years, much less something you loved. Um, so to see that video yesterday brought back a lot of memories. You know the old HBO opening. Uh, Barry Tompkins was the voice of HBO boxing then, and then to see the animation and of course the pre-fight punch that it was. Uh, it brought back a lot of good memories, and it's just a, you know it's just a great feeling to be able to. To have any longevity, much less 35 years.
1: Absolutely. How about uh, Larry Merchant? Larry Merchant called it a computer toy. I know you guys had your early battles on, for you guys don't, uh, fans at home don't know. Larry Merchant wasn't the biggest fan of CompuBox at its start. I think he
3: said, I quoted, that he thought it was gonna replace him one day. It's possible he might have thought that. Uh, maybe he wasn't too secure with his work at the time, but he, it might have been that. No one knew anything about computers back then. Um, so, And they pro- everybody in boxing, as you know and you're learning, is an expert. So why would Larry Merchant need something to tell him how many punches are being thrown or what a heavyweight throws, mm-hmm. what a welterweight throws? So I think he was skeptical at the beginning, but but the last 10 years of his time at HBO, he was calling at CompuBox, constantly asking for information, fighters' information. So he he, he came around eventually.
1: So Larry was almost ahead of his time, because we think now that robots are going to replace us and computers are going to replace us. He even thought that in 1985.
3: That's Larry, the sage. So what did
1: you think that first fight? That first fight, you show up in Reno, Nevada... Coffee box isn't a thing. No one knows what it is. You don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if the computer's going to work. Was there a lot of nerves early on? Because now, to this point,
3: when we show up to a fight, it's almost like second nature. To right. Us. I was, we were a little nervous. We were. I was more looking forward to the fight, actually. It was a great matchup. <laughs> Bramble-Mancini was just a tremendous matchup of Mancini, you know, action fighter coming forward, Bramble counterpuncher. Yeah. So I was anxious to see, you know, the fight itself. As for the machine, we were so naive. We never thought twice that it wasn't going to work. We just loved where we were at the time, what we were doing, and there was really not any ever any doubt about our numbers being, you know, being accurate and whatnot. Maybe the machine breaking down, <laughs> whatnot, but we, that was something we couldn't control. But it was just exciting just to uh, be at the fights.
1: It's almost like ignorance is bliss. Then, like you didn't even think about what could possibly go wrong because you didn't know what could, how it's going to go well, right. I told
3: you what could have went wrong. We had no battery <laughs> backup, so we had yeah. we plugged in. If we ever lost power there might not have been any, there wouldn't have been any stats and who knows where it would have went after that.
1: I remember as a kid, the computer that you had, the thing looked, it was massive. I also remember, we weren't allowed to go near it. If you even looked at it, we were like punished for for two weeks. The computer itself should—I mean, it's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you belong in the Hall of Fame. That's—that's that's just saying that because 'cause I'm your son. But the computer itself was so big and so massive. What was it like lugging that thing through I mean, airports? It wasn't fun,
3: especially back in the day when we had connecting flights. So me and Logan <laughs> uh, would choose who was going to lug that thing yeah. through Dallas Airport, and on our way home we would switch over. But um, yeah, it was—it had to weigh forty pounds. So we, have to, we used to get a luggage cart, yeah. put it on the cart and, and, and roll it, you know, roll it through the airports.
1: If you haven't made it to the it, International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canada, you've got to go check it out.
3: There's a ring in there. I think it's the first ring from Ali Frazier? It was the ring from Ali Frazier. I think Joe Lewis even fought in that ring. It was wow. the original MSG ring Yeah. On if you get
1: into the, one of the corners of the ring, the CompuBox computer is there. So if you want to check it out, you can actually hit the buttons, hit the keys. I actually went up with you for the first time yeah. two years ago. Some guy asked for your picture. That was that was crazy.
3: I paid him for that, but it was well <laughs> worth it. Well, it must
1: feel good, though. Oh, 35 gosh, years. Gosh. And then, obviously, you won just this past year. You're a humble guy. You're a modest guy. You're not one to... I had to pretty much drag you into the studio to do this. <laughs> but you won the 2020 Bernie Nagler Long Emeritus Award. Pretty much a lifetime achievement award. 35 years of giving everything you have to boxing. <laughs> that has to feel good. And uh, I heard that they have a presenter for that award. Have you... Do you have anybody in mind? I, I,
3: I know you pretty well. I'm t- send your resumes to uh, Inside Boxing Live. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just a great honor. I mean, to, to, uh, again, it's 35 years um, doing something you love. You don't look out of this work. It's just been, it's been tremendous. And to receive an honor like that uh, from the boxing writers, from your peers... It's just, uh, it's just the best.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a, a star-studded class of awards. That are Canelo Alvarez Fighter of the Year, Floyd Mayweather Fighter of the Decade, Andre Ward's getting an, is getting a, an award. Yeah, so you're going to be up there with some big names. Good rightfully big. so. Maybe we'll get
3: a couple guests for the show, hopefully. Yeah, we'll have to wrangle Andre Ward. But
1: Did you, uh, have you thought about the speech? Have you thought about that one? You know, a lot of guys that gave a short speech, give a long speech. I don't think
3: it's going to be long. I'm going to thank <sighs> Don't forget knows. to thank Mom. Who I need to thank her. Right, oh, you will thank your mother. I also want to give a shout-out to Nicholas Kenobio. <laughs> who's that? That's oh, yeah, the guy behind our, the glass. That's our super producer yeah. who's also been with CompuBox since he's 19 yep. years old. Half his life. I was thinking about it before. The youngest punch counter... In CompuBox history, and Nick does a great job from CompuBox as well. So yes, I just yes. wanted to uh, give him a shout yes. out too, and to you as well. You guys, do, you guys are doing great work. I'm just along for the ride now. No, no, no.
1: you're the the patriarch, I and mean, also we can't uh, forget about Logan Hobson, co-founder Boy. of CompuBox. You guys have some great stories. Was actually able to catch up with him in L A. this past year at the Spence Porter fight. I talked to him yesterday a little bit. I mean, it must be crazy to talk to him and and just just creating something like that is just it's. It's wild, because nothing gets invented anymore. Like, everything's invented, right? We were
3: in the right place at the right time, honestly, when, the, when portable computers first came along. And we loved boxing so much that we never thought that we couldn't make it work. It wasn't
1: 1985. It was the year of the computer. Person of the year the first, was a computer. Yeah. IBM,
3: and, Watson, or whatever. And they were literally right.
1: Perfect time, perfect time, perfect place.
3: A right? couple years old, and yeah, right place, right time. And Logan was so instrumental back in the day, getting CompuBox off the ground, because he was a former writer, boxing right. writer for UPS, so he knew the media, he knew the writers, on, so he helped to sell it on the on the writing side, and I had my television contracts with us on board right. HBO, so it was, it was such a good mesh, and we got along great, and, um, you know, the rest is history, Right, so you, say. you
1: went into Ross Greenberg's office, he is, <laughs> uh, obviously you know Ross Greenberg as the former president of HBO Sports, but at that time he was at a, a producer, eventually he was going to be elevated to executive producer. You went in there, you pitched him coffee box. He bought it on the spot. I wanna ask you, what was it like leaving the office? Because you uh, had to play it cool, but once that door closed, yeah. what did you log Logan do?
3: It was like the Seinfeld episode. We yeah. kinda of walked out. Okay, well, then we got out by the log and we're like, Oh, we're in business. It, <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was just it was just unbelievable. Um, uh, you know, they, they pretty much bought it on site. But he knew about our background, my background in research and That's boxing. what he said. That's what I So right. I think it helped a lot. He trusted. He said I, I trusted I trusted those guys that they were going to come. Who said he actually
1: trusted you too much.
3: I don't know what that <laughs> means, but uh he he you know he he bought we, we had a couple rehearsal fights and next thing we know, next thing we know we're on HBO. Yeah. And the third fight we ever did was Hagler hearn So I mean, thirty five years of business. I'm gonna go rapid fire with you. Favorite Uh, experience? Favorite fight? Probably the favorite fight ever had to be Hagler-Hearns because of the sheer excitement and then being at Caesars Palace for the first time, outdoor fight. And Hagler-Leonard right behind that as far as a surreal moment. You now we knew Ray Leonard from working with him, and to see him in the ring with the beast that was Hagler at Caesars again was a surreal night. Worst travel experience. Worst travel experience was probably going to uh, to South Korea for the uh, for the Olympics in '88 because we had three three different layovers. Um, San Francisco, we had a layover in Japan, another small island. And by the time we got to Korea, I didn't know where I was, <laughs> what time it was, and. uh, That was no fun.
1: That's when you were gone for a month. I was only one years old,
3: but I was like, where's that? That was a long trip. That's an extraordinarily long time away, which I would not want to do again. But it it was a great experience because we were on the Olympics network TV twice a day. Mm -hmm. for 14 days. So it was was just a great experience. Besides besides Muhammad Ali, favorite fighter of the last 35 years that you got to track up close. Probably Ray Leonard because of... Of his his ability to box, to put on a show, score knockouts. Ray, Ray had, was the whole package. Arturo Gotti, another one. We love Arturo. Yep. Of course, when we went to his fights, you just never knew what was going to happen. It was butterflies. And you also wanted to hang out with him after. I mean, and He was always fun, too, as well as...
1: I mean, f- before we wrap this up, Bob Arum on his private
3: plane. You flew with Bob Arum. <laughs> Quick story, tell us that. The story was we were flying. It was... Uh, Michael Bent against uh, Tommy Morrison. Yeah. Morrison had a fight lined up with Lennox Lewis for like $8 million, but he got talked into fighting a tune-up against Michael Bent in Tulsa. So needless to say, Michael Bent knocks out um, Tommy Morrison in one round. We're flying home, and uh, one of the per- people on the plane had a, had an accident needed to use the bathroom, yeah. Bob Arum had a line and said, here, use this contract Morris and vs. Lewis <laughs> to wipe whatever, because it's not worth anything anyway, so... But you skipped over the best part, is that
1: Bob Arum just casually invited you to go on his private well, jet. Well, yeah, It doesn't yeah, happen I mean, anymore. I want to you know, do No, it doesn't
3: happen anymore, but he was, yes, he was nice enough to, uh, you know, to have us fly from Tulsa to Vegas. We had another show the next night, and that line came oh, yeah. out, that story came out of... Uh, Came out of being on that fight. Can't make that stuff up. I'll tell
1: you what. It's been a thrill for me to be a part of CompuBox, You know, as growing up, just being around it, but now officially on board, doing the show, counting punches. Going to Vegas. We're going to Vegas this week for Tyson Fury. Deontay. Well, that should remind you of some of the biggest fights in the past as well, right? I'm actually
3: looking forward to this fight. I am. I'm pumped for this fight. It's a big heavyweight fight. There's gonna be a lot of experience, a lot of exposure, and I think anything can happen. It's one of those fights where either guy could get knocked out. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm pumped for this one. All right,
1: Bob. We'll see you at the house. Thank you, Daniel (laughs)